You're listening to the Be a Better Lawyer podcast with Dina Cataldo, episode 275. So how do high-achieving lawyers break through generations of being taught that we have to grind ourselves into the ground to get results for clients, build a successful business, and create a life we love? While law schools are busy teaching the rule of law, they're slacking on teaching us how to be a better human to create for ourselves the success we thought we'd achieve after law school. This podcast bridges the gap between law school and life. Hello, and welcome to Mindset Essentials Part Two. So in the last episode, we talked about the difference between mindset and thought work. I also shared how mindset determines your identity and the two common mistakes I see when people try doing thought work on their own. Those mistakes hold them back from making progress faster. I don't want to see you do that. So if you haven't listened to the last episode, I highly encourage you to do so. This one also won't make sense unless you listen to part one. So today you're going to learn the two key aspects of thought work. Most lawyers miss whether you've been doing this work for a while or you're new to it. These two aspects were what was missing from my work for the longest time. And while I felt better and I could see changes doing the work that I was doing, the bigger changes were waiting for me after I learned and I implemented what I share here. You know how when you order shelves and they come in the mail and you have to put them together yourself, do you ever try to put it together without the instructions? Is that just me? Well, I will lay out all the pieces and I will think through where everything should go. And I'll even glance at the instructions to make sure I have all of the pieces. But sometimes if I'm not paying attention, I will end up with extra pieces. Does that ever happen to anybody else besides me? (laughs) So that's kind of what happened when I first started learning about mindset work. There were a couple extra pieces laying around that I didn't know what to do with. So I just ignored them. It seemed like everything was working fine. So I didn't want to investigate any further. I didn't see any need to. And it made sense that I would ignore these pieces because I wasn't used to dealing with these pieces in my day-to-day life. To be fair, I did try them on. I did what I could on my own, but they just weren't part of my identity or my everyday way of being in the world. They weren't second nature to me. And my guess is, is they're probably not second nature to you either. In fact, if you told me to do the two things that I'm going to share with you today on this episode, I would have probably looked at you funny and thought you were off your rocker. But after seeing what I became capable of, starting a coaching practice, reducing overwhelm, eliminating overwhelm, leaving my 16-year legal career, going and growing in my business year after year and watching my clients reduce and eliminate overwhelm and grow their practices, I mean, I have so much evidence that these principles worked and I kept implementing them and seeing better and better results in my life. So there's no doubt about it. These two key aspects were things that could take the work that we talked about in part one and just blow it all up for you exponentially. Another reason it makes sense if you're missing these two key pieces I'm talking about today is because we're a society that ignores these two essential pieces of being a human generally. Law firms are notorious for ignoring them too. So don't worry. There's nothing wrong with you. You haven't missed the memo. I was missing these two essentials for a very long time. I made some progress. 
And when I finally got them, when I finally understood them, everything shifted for me and I started making progress even faster. And when I introduce these concepts to my clients, I see an instant shift for them too. So I really want that for you in this episode. And even if they don't become 100% a habit yet, just having these concepts in your awareness is going to expedite your change. It's going to blow things up, so to speak. Now, at first, you're going to get these concepts on a logical level. But the more you work with these concepts on a daily basis, basis. I mean a daily basis, right? Consistency and repetition is how we learn anything, the more it's going to click. And that was my experience. And I see that with my clients too. My hope is this episode helps you skip lots of the hard work that I did trying to figure this out, knowing that this is a practice. It's not a one and done. And that these principles are going to help you put all the pieces together. So when you make it a habit, when you're repeating this consistently, what I'm sharing with you in these two episodes, it then becomes part of our identity. So here's the first key aspect I want to share with you. And it's one none of us want to look at. I get it because I was that way too, but just hear me out here. The first one is paying attention to your feelings. Let me ask you this. How do you feel right now? What's just describe it for me? Give me a word. Seriously, name the one word feeling you're having right now. Did you answer fine or good or busy? And if you did, you answered that question like most people I think on the planet would answer. But those are surface level feelings, those are responses we're trained from birth to give people, especially if you were raised in an authoritarian household with an apparent who maybe. It didn't create a lot of safety for you to have any feelings except good or fine or okay. That's because any other answer could feel unsafe for you. In that environment, if we share what we're feeling, we're told to stop crying or we're going to have something to cry about. That was one of my personal favorites growing up. So the safest thing to do was hide all the emotion and only be okay, happy, or good because then everything was safe, right? That just becomes a habit. To be clear, not just people with an authoritarian parent do this. It's a cultural thing, too. You probably see it every single day. We say these kinds of things to be polite and not expose ourselves to others. So when my parent, my my clients tell me that they feel fine or good or busy, that tells me they're just a little disconnected from their body because they've created a, a habit at some point in their life to disconnect from their feelings for whatever reason. I was that way a long time, so I understand. If we aren't given tools to feel our feelings and manage them in a healthy way, then we disconnect from them. We fear them. Sometimes I'll talk to lawyers afraid of feeling any feelings because they think they might feel them forever and get lost in them and that they will take over. If that describes you, that fear isn't there because it's true that your feelings will take over. That fear is there because you probably haven't been given tools to make it safe to feel anything other than fine and okay. I use this podcast to really try and help connect lawyers to their feelings because this is essential for change. It's a key component. And if we can't connect to what we feel, it becomes impossible to change habits because changing habits requires understanding why we do what we do. And the why for everything that we do is because of how we'll feel or think we will feel if we do or don't do something. 
think about it. I want you to answer this question. Why do you set goals? And there might be a couple reasons. One might be the desire to do more with your life, to serve in a bigger way, to really feel like you're living into your purpose. Another part is that part of us that says, you know what? A goal is going to make us feel better. We'll finally feel successful, accomplished. And if we don't, we're going to think we're a failure. So if we're not paying attention, we can either be chasing a goal to chase a feeling or trying to avoid a feeling. Hitting a goal or not hitting a goal doesn't mean anything about you. And when I finally understood this, I took off so much pressure and started doing the work that built my business faster. And if you've ever wondered why you get to the end of your workday and you didn't do anything you intended to do, all that means is you have habits that are getting you your current result. When we recognize our behaviors, our habits are caused by feelings like pressure, overwhelm, gratitude, accomplishment, all of those, we can start becoming aware of our behaviors. Habits are unconscious behaviors, and we need to make our behaviors conscious. When we do, feelings are going to come up because feelings drive our behaviors. And when those feelings come up, We need tools to manage them, which is what I teach my clients. So I promised you in the last episode, I would tell you my Trader Joe's story, and it ties in with making our behaviors conscious and not reacting to them unconsciously. So as you probably remember, when the pandemic happened in 2020, there was a run on toilet paper. And I remember being in Trader Joe's and there was someone on the loudspeaker saying something about toilet paper being limited to two per customer or something like that. And I could feel my whole body tense up. And I noticed that it wanted to run to the toilet paper, grab some, and throw it in my cart. And it was such an odd feeling for my body to have that I immediately noticed it and paused. Like I just stopped in the store. And one of the things I teach my clients is to notice different sensations in their body and pause before reacting to them. Because the more we notice we practice noticing them, the more time we start creating between feeling an emotion and reacting to it. So that time is the difference between automatically snapping off an email to opposing counsel while being angry, never a good idea, or taking a breath and knowing you won't write the best email if you do it in the moment. Similarly, when I paused at Trader Joe's, I could give myself a moment to remember that that was just a fear response happening in my body. That's all I was noticing is just adrenaline going into my body, going into the fight or flight response. So, hey, let's pay attention to this. What's going on? And that fear response was just a habit built into my brain's programming. Nothing had gone wrong. I was actually 100% safe. I gave myself time to remind myself that I had toilet paper at home, that I don't even like Trader Joe's toilet paper, and that even if I ran out of toilet paper, I had alternatives. And I could tell myself, it's okay. I don't have to get the toilet paper. Like That's what happens when we create that space to remind ourselves of that. We can make conscious decisions instead of just letting our brain act unconsciously. And when I did that, I could make a conscious decision instead of acting unconsciously. Most people in our world, in case you haven't noticed, are completely unconscious. They are not present to the world around them. And if that's you, that's okay. You found this podcast. You have some of these tools now. You're learning them. 
And this is a process that you can change for yourself too. Most people don't know how their brains and their bodies work together. So they're always in reactivity mode and easily pushed around emotionally by the news, by an email somebody sends, by the way a client talks to you, by the fact that somebody puts a file on your desk. Your emotions might be going up and down. In fact, that's how you're going to notice that you might be acting unconsciously is if you notice these really big swings in your emotions, they're really high, they're really low, they're really high, they're really low. And you might also notice things like you snap at people, right? You can't figure out why you're behaving that way. Or maybe you might notice you're procrastinating on a project and you can't figure out why you're putting it off. And when we find thought work, most of us still want to action or willpower our way out of problems. I definitely did, right? That was my default mode. And we say things to ourselves like, if I'm not hitting my goals, that means I'm not working hard enough and I should stay later at the office. Or if I'm procrastinating, that means I need to have more discipline and I need to bring work home, right? Or if I don't like my client, I should just fire them. We immediately want to act our way out of feeling like we failed or we've done a bad job. The other thing we tend to do, especially if you've been doing thought work for a while, is that you might try to force yourself to believe thoughts that your brain just doesn't believe yet. And that could work for a few days, but then you're right back where you started. We do that, right? We we try to switch our thoughts because we think we're going to feel better if we just think happy thoughts. And I want to give you an example here. Like when a lawyer comes to me telling me that their practice isn't working, Um, I can't just tell them like, hey, just go repeat the mantra. It's working and your practice is going to change. Why? Because the thought it's working doesn't connect with their brain. They don't believe it yet, right? So it can't generate the chemical response needed in their body so that they can truly behave in a way in which they believe it, right? You still with me? If you got distracted, come back to me. Because remember, thoughts create our feelings, The thoughts we have can generate a chemical response in our body that then influences our behaviors, but only if we believe it. Okay, so that's why I teach tools to help you unravel old beliefs, and then you can be open to believing the new thoughts, right? And sometimes you can start taking actions and behaving as if you believe a thought, and that's another way you can start to change the belief. But most times we really want to just look at what am I believing right now that's creating this feeling? And and we don't want to like force ourselves to try to believe something we don't believe. So if you're doing any, either of these things, it's not your fault. Again, you didn't miss the how to be a human handbook that was passed out the day you missed class, right? So we're, we're just not trained to do any inquiry to find out how we feel and why we feel the way that we do. That's what coaching is for. And certain emotions can feel horrible, especially negative ones like fear, shame, guilt, anxiety. But I have a little secret for you that you may not know. Are you ready for it? You're already feeling horrible. You're just not acknowledging you're feeling that way. So then you can't deal with it, right? You're avoiding it. You're already feeling shame or disappointment or anxiety. It's all there all the time under the surface But you think that if you don't look at it, that you can get away from it, that you're not really feeling it. And if you keep just working hard enough, working through it, then it just won't be there. What's actually happening is that you're trying to avoid it. 
You're hiding the feeling under the bed, hoping it doesn't come out like the boogeyman, but you can't avoid it forever. What eventually it's going to catch up with you in a health problem or a relationship problem or in burnout. We've got to create awareness around what's going on so that you can make those changes and address them head on, confront them. So when I was a little girl, my parents told me to clean up my room and I used to just stuff everything under my bed. I mean, everything. I'd etch a sketches, stuffed animals, books, Legos, you name it, right? I thought cleaning was going to be really hard work, that it would be painful. So I did that to avoid having to clean. And you would think on the surface that my room was clean. It looked great. But there was all that stuff under the bed. I thought I was doing a really good job. And then one day I came home from school and found that my parents had taken everything out from under my bed, spread it all over the kitchen floor and told me to get rid of something like 20 toys. I cried and cried and cried like the whole time, right? I really thought it was the end of the world. It felt so horrible. I thought by avoiding the pain of cleaning that I wouldn't have so much pain. But guess what? That pain smacked me in the face because I wasn't dealing with the problem up front and the consequences were worse than if I just cleaned my room. So feeling your feelings is like cleaning your room. Just notice them, right? And actually pay attention to them. And you may not want to do it, but when you do, you feel so much better and you avoid negative consequences. Those negative consequences come from you acting unconsciously to your negative emotions, reacting to them. And if you're not present with your negative emotions, you can't be conscious. You're sleepwalking through life. Now, in a coaching context, this may look like this. A lawyer might tell me something like, last week, I felt like everyone was against me. I didn't get anything done. I felt totally out of control. I had every intention of following through on my calendar, but I didn't. Everything just went wrong. And I know from hearing something like that, that they just weren't paying attention to how they were feeling that week. That's it. So then my job as a coach is to help them see what happens so they can become more conscious of the habits that created that experience. They can become more conscious of what's going on in their brain and their body. And when they get that awareness, they get better and better at catching their unconscious habits and creating space between the feeling and the reactions so that they can then make conscious decisions and change those habits. So this brings me to the second key aspect lawyers miss when doing thought work, and that's compassion for themselves. We can't even access feelings if we're not creating safety to access them. We create safety by being compassionate towards ourselves. Compassion is accepting ourselves, flaws and all. So here's some questions you can answer right now to see if you're showing yourself compassion on a regular basis. Ready for them? Here we go. How do you treat yourself? Do you check in with yourself to see how you're doing? Do you talk to yourself like you're your best friend? Or do you ignore yourself? Do you tell yourself you should have done a better job? Or do you put your needs last? One of the big things that we need to learn as humans is how to treat ourselves in a way that allows us to be human and not shame ourselves for when we make mistakes. What I learned is shame blocks us from change. We have to allow ourselves human emotions to just be human, to do human things. And sometimes those human things don't look the prettiest. Sometimes we behave in ways we didn't intend. And we, instead of beating ourselves up, need to just show ourselves some compassion. 
That's the only way to create sustainable change that I have found. Lawyers will sometimes tell me, but if I shame myself, I'll get the work done. Yeah, you can do that. You can whip a horse to run faster until the beatings kill the horse. And if you notice you get things done by shaming yourself or using dread and deadlines, just notice that's been your habit up until now, the unconscious habit. And if you notice you procrastinate or don't have systems for getting work done and you're using the whip of dread and deadlines to get it done, how does that feel? Does it feel good? 100% it doesn't because I know I've been there. You may feel a sense of accomplishment when it's over, but what's the point of designing a life like that where you feel horrible? Now I'm driven and I work consistently and strategically in my business to grow it. And what I've decided is a non-negotiable for me is I will no longer beat myself up. If I don't do something on my calendar, I'm not going to beat myself up. And I will check in with myself to see why I didn't do it. What was I thinking? What was I feeling? What was going on with me? Right? Like I want to know what's going on. Or maybe it had nothing to do with me at all. Maybe there was something outside of my control that day and I just made a decision not to do it. I ask myself those questions because it would be just like a friend, right? She would be curious. She would be like, hey, what's going on? How are you doing? And then I get to the bottom of it. I'm going to show compassion for myself no matter what. And then I'm going to solve for why I'm not doing what I want to do instead of beating myself up over it. We spend the most time with one person, ourselves. And I want that relationship with myself to be as strong as possible. Imagine being in a relationship where you could never ask for help and you would always expect the other person in that relationship to tell you that you weren't good enough, that what you're doing is wrong, and never acknowledging what's going right. You'd feel isolated and disconnected. Most humans are in that relationship with themselves, and it's leading to feeling stressed, anxious, and confused about why we feel so horrible all the time. I never want that relationship for myself. I'm done with that. I want a relationship with myself where I am always comfortable being myself and I will always be understanding of who I am. Even if I'm not the picture perfect version I might have for myself sometimes. It doesn't mean I won't also say, hey, my friend, it's time to get to work. Let's do this. Right. Or, hey, I see a spot here. It's a blind spot. Let's shine some light on it and let's make some change because you want to see different results in your life. Let's go. You want someone who's encouraging and inspiring you to take action. You want a partner in your life who is there for you. And that's what's so amazing about coaching because I get to help lawyers create that relationship with themselves using all the master coach mindset tools and all the modalities I've learned over the years from different coaches, teachers, and mentors, and all of the experience I've had as a lawyer and working with like young students and young lawyers. So I get to help them create a relationship for themselves where they lift themselves up and they serve their clients at even higher levels. And if you're ready to create that kind of relationship with yourself, let's work together. Book a strategy session with me at dinacataldo.com forward slash strategy session. I didn't start working with a coach to create a relationship with myself. It wasn't even on my mind. I started working with a coach to stop feeling stuck, feel like I was doing something meaningful, help people, make money doing something other than being a lawyer. And I wanted to create a life where I didn't feel overwhelmed all the time and I had more time to myself to do what I really wanted to do. Yeah, I got all of that. And while I was doing that, I created this beautiful relationship with myself. 
It's been the best relationship I've ever had. It'll be your best relationship too. I'll talk to you next week, my friend. Bye.